This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Shalom and welcome to Practical Spirituality here at Asia Torah in the old city of Jerusalem overlooking the Western Wall. Today we are discussing the Messiah. <laughs> and it really bothers some people, especially me, the whole Messiah business. And I think one of the reasons why we're bothered by it, and, uh, and so we have that in common, is being bothered by it is because of the Christian influence on our mindset and the whole way we look at the, the whole messianic thing. Because the, what, what you'll notice is that the, the Christian world has driven very strongly. The, the, um, the, all their focus is around this messianic figure, a messianic individual. That's all the focus that there is. I mean, they're really a strong focus on that. And there's a reason for that, but I'm not here to teach class in Christianity. But, but it, it has to do with sacrifice. And, and, uh, and it has to do with sacrifice, and it has to do with, um, with uh, you know, that's enough. I don't need to say more than that. Christ uh, is the redemption, isn't it right? Yeah, I'm not going deeper in it. That's as far as I'm going with that. But, Judaism does not go at all into the, um, the, a messianic figure or a messianic uh, individual. Not interested in that at all. What we are interested in is peace and love. Because Judaism, you know, we're always like Jews. You can find secular Jews who don't know nothing about Judaism. They'll always be on the front lines of like civil rights movement. For example, I'm a, I look like a Hasidic, you know, Ashkenazic rabbi, right? But, in fact, I am named after a black minister named Martin Luther King who died three days before I was born. Now, what kind of parents name their Jewish son after a black minister? And the answer is mine. And, and that is, you know, people who are secular Jews who are on the front lines of peace and love. You know, and, and so, so that's how I got my English name, which is, you know, John Martin. Uh, John was after my uncle and Martin after Martin Luther King. And so, the, um, we're into peace and love. Okay, well, where's, all, where's the love? You know, that's the classic, you know, where's the love? Where's the love? You know, there's not a lot of love. Not a lot of love. I feel some love in this room. But, you know, you go out in the streets, not a lot of love out there. And, and you watch the news, not a lot of love uh, in the national level, not a lot of love in the individual level. And some places can be pretty mean. Some people can be pretty mean, and where's the love? And so what happens is that, is that we all know that we can get along. We all know that we can get along. Because, raise your hand if you ever had issues with somebody that you worked out eventually. Okay? Everybody's had that. So we know it's possible, and that's deep in our hearts that it's possible that we can get along. Now, Israel actually has a little getting along in their history. During the times of Solomon, Shlomo, Solomon, the king of Israel, the king of Jerusalem, right outside this window, you know, the, the, the ruled over Jerusalem for many years, and, and he had the whole world at peace. And that's part of his name. Shlomo is the word shalom, or completion, or wholeness, or fulfillment, or, you know, we got along. Now, he had, a interesting, uh, he had an interesting policy, and that was to marry the daughters of all the kings of the world, which is pretty smart. Because every king of the world is your father-in-law. You, know, you must have had a killer set of sweaters from his mother-in-law. But, the, but he married the daughters of all the kings of the world. He, he, he got up to a thousand wives. A thousand wives. Now, by the way, how many wives is a king allowed? 
18 wives. Kings are allowed up to 18 wives. And, uh, and the, not a thousand. And of course, what's the king of Israel doing with a thousand wives? You know, it's like, it's kind of hard to hide, you know, 970, what? 982, 982 women, you know. Um, he didn't even try to hide them because that would be impossible. And so that was his downfall, actually. You know why? Because a lot of these kings were, were from idolatrous cultures. And he had idolatrous wives, you know, born to idolatrous cultures. And how's he supposed to keep track of all those ladies? And that was all it took. And that was all it took. And they weren't even doing it publicly. They were just, you know, but the wife of the king of Israel is an idolater. And uh, they did some idolatry. And, there, and King... King Solomon had like a, you know, a massive, massive, I don't even know what to say, like a geyser style enema of a, of a divine retribution for that and got completely creamed, reamed. I mean, he's gone. Like, we don't know where he's buried. Like, he just got like taken over by a demon and like spread to like, to like the world. Like, we notice we don't know where his tomb is. Like King Solomon, the one who like brought peace to the world and... Like, led Israel like no one else. The smartest man who ever lived. The man who brought you Mishle, you know, Proverbs, and, and Eshet Chayil, and the Song of Songs. You know, like, King Solomon, you know, had a terrible demise. And the Talmud goes into its detail. It's horrible. I mean, it's just hard to read, you know, what happened to him in the end. And it all came from his thousand wives. Well, not all thousand of them, but a couple of them. Anyway, um, so... So we all believe, going back to my point, is we all believe in peace and love. We all believe in that. And we all know that what is not peaceful and loving can be made so with the proper trust and understanding, with the right trust and understanding. So then it can be done. Or I should really say understanding and trust. Just that my brother has a song called Trust and Understanding. And, but it's really understanding and then trust. Because if you really understand me and I really understand you, it, there's going to be trust built between us. Like, I really get it. I get where you're at. I, need, I see what you need. I see where what you need. I got some of what you need, and, and I was worried about you taking it. And, but I get you. And let me explain me to you that I need my stuff, and I cannot just give it over like that. And so we need to have some kind of bartering here if you want something from me. And I can trust that now that you understand my position. And so trust and understanding, or understanding and trust, are the, you know, the, that is the essential thing that we need. Now, what if the whole world lived with understanding and trust internationally and got to like that level of Solomon's temple period where we all lived as one? What if we all lived that way? What would you call an era where the whole world was delicious? What would you call an era where people laid their swords down or they wound up ble- beating plowshares with swords of war? They wound up like, you know, beating plowshares to, to, you know, harvest for feeding each other. What would be the world where the U.S., instead of burning wheat for the, you know, the economy... They'd actually send it to Africa or something in areas that are hit by drought. You know, what if the whole world worked together? 
Well, what era would you call that era? It'd be the messianic era. That would be messianic for something like that to happen. Does it require an individual? It does not require an individual at all. It doesn't require an individual. And let's say there was an individual who held that level of leadership qualities. Like, what if there was an individual? Ooh, four ladies. Yikes. Um, how you doing, ladies? Um, there's a bench over here. If you, anyone want to sit on a bench? You're all wearing long skirts? You hold it. We have a bench and two chairs. So. Yeah, there's a chair. Yeah, these guys, oh, you guys are so sweet. My Spanish is speaking of friends. And this guy's name's Yom Tov. Give a wave, Yom Tov. Yom Tov. Got a guy named Yom Tov here. It's amazing. So, how, many, how often you get to be in a room with two men named Yom Tov? You know, not so often. I don't get that. I need, I need something. I need, I need water as well. Did Aish provide water today? Not so much. Is that an Aish water? Is that fire water? Can you bring two cups? So. Yeah, thanks, Andres. Thank you so much. By the way, I'm going away for a few days, so I'll be gone. Uh, I have to go to New York just for like two days, so I'll be there uh, Shabbos and Sunday. And then I'll be back here. But I don't think my plane arrives in time for Monday's class, so I'll be back on on Tuesday. Um, and uh, uh, for those of you who will be around, I'll be running an event Thursday. For uh, um, Thursday, I'll be running a, an event Thursday night, a free event in town here for an introduction to the Possible You seminar. That's my seminar, the Possible You for men. And, uh, and in New York, February 16th in Brooklyn for men, and then I have a men's seminar. <laughs> All the women are like, he runs a lot of men's seminars. And in uh, Muncie, I have a men's seminar in, uh, on the 24th. I have the seminar on the 24th for men in Muncie. And the 20, sorry, the 24th. And then the 25th I have for women, running a women's seminar in Muncie, New York. So anyone who lives in the uh, tri-state area, or if you're going to be in the tri-state area, um, those will also have... Thursday night intro. So I have a Thursday night intro for an English seminar here in Jerusalem this coming week, and then I have, uh, and then I have uh, more in New York. Okay, um, I'm making a blessing. Now, what if? What are the chances that it's going to require leadership to get the world to peace and love? What are the chances that it's going to require that? Yeah, it's going to need leadership. And what would you call the leader who pulled it off? Yeah, you would call him Mashiach. You'd call the leader who pulled it off Mashiach. That's all. It's, the Rambam says nothing's going to change. We're just going to have peace and love. It's not like, uh, you know, it's not like things are going to be so different. It's just that there's going to be giving you know what can i do for you and what can this country do for another country and what, how can we work together as a planet it's the messianic era is is uh, about the era and in fact in hebrew we call it that we call it yomos hamashiach the 
the times, the era of the Messianic era, and we have no interest in the guy himself. Now, I'm sure there's always like lower IQ people who will be very excited about the guy himself. I have no doubt people will be doing that. You know, and, and we've seen that even in the Jewish world where people are rallying around someone as their Mashiach. But, you know, not exactly the guy you're going to ask to be your lawyer. You know, someone doing that kind of stuff. Because we're not interested in, we're not in, that interested in the person. We're interested in the era. Okay, we're not focused on the individual. We're focused on the era that it would bring to this world. Now, we do have a tradition that such a leader will come. But we have not much more to know about it. We know it'll be from the tribe of Judah, but that's anyway 90%, 99% of identified Jews today. Because today we only really have hanging around the, at least the visible world, because we do have the 10 tribes who are hiding out somewhere. Most of them are probably in Afghanistan. That's what we've found out in the last few years. But, the, uh, the, but most, it's going to be from the tribe of Judah. Well, the tribe of Judah is who we know, unless you're a Kohen, unless you're a Levite. You know, which you are a coin, right? So you're not Mashiach, okay? Because you have to be from that tribe. It's kind of funny that the that the Gentiles or the Christians wanted to make Jesus the Mashiach, right? Sorry to use that word, but in certain contexts, I'll use his name. Yeah, sometimes I just call him JC um, because no, just because of all the Jewish blood that's been spilled over him is uh, like it's. And by the way, it has nothing to do with him. It had to do with you know people. Pushing a narrative about him and, and about us more than him, and you know, and wound up killing a lot of Jews. So sometimes I'm not so respectful. But but anyway, the um, what was I just saying when I said it, the name? What? Oh, thinking he was Mashiach, they blew him as Messiah. You know why? Because he has to be from the tribe of Judah. How do you know the tribe? How do you know what a tri- how do you know the tribe of a person? Michael, we got a spot for you right here. How do you know the tribe of a person? Where does the tribe come through? Father. A father. How do you know you're a coin? It's your father, right? The, the, the tribe comes through the father. You get that? So they really blew it with the virgin birth, right? Immaculate conception. There's a spot right here. Can you slide over, please? The immaculate conception is, you know, that, that it was a virgin birth was a really, really bad idea. Because it has to come through the father. And in this particular case, there's no father. And so, it, like, it, like you, before you even start thinking somebody's the Messiah, you, you need the very first check off. Who's the father? And if we can see the father is from the tribe of Judah, maybe we got our Mashiach. But the second you have no father, <laughs> you know, which obviously never happens, because, I mean, who was born out of, you know, without a father? So... Obviously, this, this is, uh, you know, it disqualifies J.C. As, as Messiah, like, immediately. But last, just back to the beginning, is that, is that we, that the Western civilization, especially the Christian world, is overly fixated on individual. And again, that, that sometimes correlates with IQ, when people are overly involved in that. Whereas the Jewish uh, the Jewish perspective has to do with with an era. That's what we're concerned about. You know, to get to that era requires leadership. The name of that leader, we have no idea what his name will be, although we do have uh, one hint that his name will be Yinun, 
Now, I've met a few people named Yinun in my life. It's very rare to meet someone named Yinun. And the few people I met named Yinun were like covered in tattoos and high as a kite on cannabis in Tel Aviv. So it's like, who names their kid Yinun? You know, Yud Nun Vav Nun. But then I was thinking maybe I'm Mashiach because my English name is John. And it's kind of like, because J and Yud are, you know, Yun. I just need another Nun. You know, but it is J-O-H-N, and if you maybe, if you, if you circumcise the top of the H, maybe you could play with it, and maybe, I, maybe I'm the Mashiach. You know? uh, but there are a few tests that Mashiach would have to pass. Like this, If there was such a leader, he would have to be obviously fully observant Jewishly, not necessarily from an observant background, and probably more likely not from an observant background, because if you look at King David, where we get this whole line, King David's from a crazy background. So, so uh, not that his father was crazy or his mother was crazy, but if you go all the way back, like it started with Judah and Tamar, Judah and his, his daughter-in-law, and, and the other side is like, comes from Moab, Ruth, you know, the Moabite, you know, which means she's directly descendant of Moab, the, the Moabites. You know, and Moabites are... The word Moab means from father because of an incestuous relationship between Lot and his daughter gave birth to Moab, who became the nation of Moab. And that's the other side of David's line. So it's like, like chances of the, whoever is the Messiah comes from a crazy line is pretty high. And that's probably a hint to, to that it's just going to come from left field. However, whoever it is, he's going to have great uh, knowledge of Torah. And he will know what he's doing big time. He will be of excellent counsel to the world and be of, of the highest level scholarship in, uh, in Jewish, you know, Jewish thought and Jewish law. Okay. Um, I hope you enjoyed that. Um, please click on all the appropriate buttons. Subscribe, share, follow. I hate the word follow because there's no Hebrew word for follow. You, you know that? We don't have a word for follow in Hebrew. Because Judaism, in the Jewish world, or I don't say Judaism, what am I saying? In God's world, in God's world, he creates only leaders, not followers. And, and so there's no word in the holy tongue for follower. But click follow in case you're on Facebook. <laughs> Is it Facebook that you follow? No. What do you follow? Instagram. Okay. Shalom, everybody. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.